was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space. Well, hey there, how are you, partner? Jay West Texas Legion. Hey, you guys keep on sharing the podcast with your friends. I'm so glad you do. Thanks for tuning in and telling your friends. You hang out here with us on the other side of Texas where we boldly rave on to where no man has raved on before. Right here from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across the hub city for the best wash around guaranteed see more at racerwash.com we are broadcasting from lubbock and you know Ravon with buddy holly got some mailbag stuff we want to get into got an email about buddy holly and about uh, where we broadcast from get into that another interesting email about uh, a local election want to do some best and the worst of the weekend going to get in with scott braddock in about uh, 10 12 minutes from now if you're listening on live air about 12 minutes from now and then our friend rg ratcliffe from the texas monthly the uh, politico.com wrote an interesting piece today entitled did beto blow it i kind of favor the article about about if he did blow it how he blew it and rg ratcliffe disagrees put up a new piece there texasmonthly.com today we'll get into that about uh 30 minutes from now best of the weekend you learn things along the way and guys whenever you learn these things about your wife you really need to take some time and and celebrate it one thing I've learned about my wife is my kids have uh, come online and they've begun to get involved in sports and kind of know what they're doing. My twins, Jack and Sam, are playing some flag football now. And my wife is, I remember one of our first big fights whenever we were dating, I went to her house for Christmas. It snowed at ice, so, you know, lucky me, I got to stay over for a couple of days but um, she brought me home for Christmas, and she was very dismayed at, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really competitive. Charity is not competitive, except when it matters. With me, it's like a race to the parking spot. With me, it's a, you know, no slam on my brakes at the stop sign so that I've got right away and I go through. Uh, every little thing to me matters, including Scrabble. And that was our first foray into an argument was how intense I was. It's, I grew, grew up playing, it was probably where I learned spelling, was playing Scrabble growing up. And we sat down to play Scrabble. I got really intense and she didn't like that. However, she gets really intense about her kids whenever they're playing sports and like, I won't say helicopter mom, but she is. She gets super loud. And here's what I've learned about my wife and executed the plan because I got to set up the chairs at the park before we went in. 
on Saturday to watch our little Vikings play. Um, I sat, the wind was blowing from the north, so I sat up her chair to the south of me and I sat beside her because I've goofed up all season long. I've either sat in front of her or downwind of her and she hollers so much for them maybe at them but mostly for them and uh that was my best of the weekend finally executed the plan man uh worst was i don't know who was in more pain on saturday night at the tech football game against ou in which tech would have won had alan bowman been in the game i got no doubt i'm a hundred hundred percent on that take it to the bank but uh I don't know who was in more pain. The girls that were maybe in two layers of nylon and cowboy boots out there in that 40 degrees with that north wind just just breezing through or Bowen himself who went down with a collapsed lung. I, I tend to think it might have been the college girls with uh, single layers of nylon on. I felt really bad for them. And at times I was tempted to to give my jacket away but um, decided not to might be a good learning curve for them one thing that I've got on my mind right now again with Braddock we'll cover everything you need to know going with state politics into Tuesday and then we'll get into Beto versus Cruz with R.G. Ratcliffe coming up on the way to school this morning I should just record, I should just Facebook Live on the way to school because there's a lot of show content that I take the kids to school each morning, about a six minute, seven minute drive, but there's all sorts of things that can happen whenever you've got a four, nine, nine, and 11 year old. The only kiddo I have who's a girl is the eldest and Grace is 11 on the way to school. Now listen, I've been to seminary, I know a good deal i will not say a great deal about theology i focused on academics while i was there um but one thing that has always just been a burr in my side is whenever you take text out of context then what you have is a pretext to do whatever you may my grandfather was an ardent roman catholic lived in nashville he's a radio guy too i've talked before about how al gore senior got him fired from uh, afternoon drive in nashville but <clears throat> he used to always say the most dangerous thing in the world this is an ardent roman catholic the most dangerous thing in the world is a protestant walking down the sideline or down the sidewalk with a bible but this morning i had a moment that made me cringe and it was that on the way to school one of the boys pointed to grace thanks pointed to grace and said you have uh, not done your homework uh, something about that she and she hadn't done her homework the way that she should and grace turned around in the passenger seat <coughs> excuse me looked at him and said don't judge me you know 
I can get off on a big riff about this. It, it, to me, it's the most abused citation of the Bible, the most abused reference. Everybody judges everybody. Period. I'm just going to go into dad mode for just a second. Exactly what I laid down with her. People listen to my podcast. Like 75% of people listen to other side of Texas all the way through. But there's 25% of people who drop off. And probably because they expected better. They wanted something different. Maybe things got busy. And whatever it may be, they made a judgment in their mind. Or... You know, you go to a place like, let's say, whenever I had Mount St. Helens in the back end of my pants. I ate some bad Mexican food. Here's my judgment. I'm not going to eat there again. <laughs> or you don't think a guy's believable, <coughs> Dan Patrick, <coughs> and so you don't vote for him in the election. Or in business, some of the sharpest business people I know have an intuition on people where they can immediately make a judgment on capacity, truthfulness, work ethic, whatever it might be. The whole society and culture functions on people making judgments on others. Now, it, it's the, just a standard to which a society is held. And, and it holds out what is good about a culture. This was a lot for a short drive for my daughter, but in this new world order that we're in, where it's don't judge me because you're upset that somebody has hurt your feelings and called you on something, a subjective, uh, you know, it's a moral anarchy. And relativity is not a strategy, whether that be a functioning society or even the survival of a society. Now, this morning, I was at a hospital. Oh, I'm going to have to hold this over till we get in with Braddock. I was... Waiting in the hospital room this morning, in a waiting room, I should say, and I have not seen what's happened to America with morning television, but it's dumb as a wagon wheel. I mean, it is ridiculous what comes on morning. It was the Today Show. I mean, if the Today Show, uh, if brains were leather, the Today Show couldn't saddle a flea. And people sit around and watch this for hours. And there was at one point again where I got triggered where somebody said, don't judge me in the middle of that. And it just blows my mind that we're going to... the That scripture is about hypocrisy, not about judgment. Like, speaking of today's show, if I called out Carson Daly and said, hey, looking like you ate a little too much... Uh, you drank too many uh, root beer floats there, buddy. Like, that would be hypocrisy. Judge, lest you not be judged. Um, but, you know, the same way a guy has six wives, then maybe you don't make a call on people's sexual preference and demonize it one way or the other. Okay, I got some more to break down on that, but we got to go make some money right quick this don't judge me culture is going to get us nowhere fast and that's why uh, this morning's drive turned into what it did she's only repeating what she's heard but she's not heard that at the least in ponderosa stay right here with us and uh some good advertisers with us text in you're all over the place i am that's what how we roll that's how we drive on other side of Texas. Stick right with us. About 90 seconds from now. 
He is the editor of the Quorum Report. We boldly go and rave on towards where no Texans have gone before. He is Scott Braddock at Scott Braddock on Twitter. How are you, good friend? I'm doing well, sir. Are you raving on this afternoon? Rave That's on. That's what I heard. Yeah, rave on. I was. I just got into a whole riff. I'm going to come back to it. Okay. This don't judge me thing. Like, as a guy that's got a theology degree. Don't judge me. Really, really rubs me, man. The, that, he, that you're not allowed to no, judge it just, him? No, it just, no. I don't, I don't know what people, people make judgments. All, you're going to talk about some analysis here in a moment. Sure. Where you've I'll made have some to make judgments. Uh, educated judgments, yeah. hopefully. It yeah. just, I, on the way to school this morning, my 11-year-old daughter turned back to one of her brothers and and said to him, because he had pointed out how she had not done her homework like she yeah. should have, and right. she said, don't judge me. And <laughs> you can imagine what that well, did in my mind. So Yes, my uh, my 17-year-old daughter has uh, uh, sort of broken out that phrase as well. Be, you know, something happens and she'll say, don't judge me, Dad. Well, I, yeah. I think I might. Yeah, you can. You sure can. I mean, my whole deal is like... <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> like... Like if you and by the way, I'm also thinking, you know, to get used to it, that people are going to judge you throughout your life. Yeah. That, you know, it's your reaction to the judgment that that is what's important. We make, you know, because it is going to happen. I was saying earlier, we tailor the. We, I see things where we fail, like whether it be like I go in with these guys and they give me an assessment of what happened on social media, sure. where we did great, where we didn't, where on podcasts where people drop off, and yeah. so. You know, it's all about I want folks to listen and to be engaged. And and I listen to judgments, and people judge based upon their feet, right? Or or their their phones or whatever the case might yeah. be, their clicks on the Internet. So I would say with their ears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so, better. You know, you're selling an audio product. Yeah. Uh, Braddock, I've done this radio thing before. Yeah, you have. Braddock on Texas here. Um. Let's start with it. Let's get into what folks need to know going into tomorrow. Folks who call themselves Texans mm-hmm. should know going into tomorrow. I saw forecasts that there could be upwards of 8 million people who voted. Um, I'll quote Ross Ramsey, Texas Tribune, holy guacamole, if that number is true. Is that sound about accurate based upon what you've heard? I'm not going to pass any judgment on his guacamole comment, although I think that, uh, you know, 8 million or so sounds about right. Um, so far, we're at about 6 million if you take into account the fact that we've seen about 4.8 or 4.9 million in the largest counties, uh, and then you have to extrapolate what's, uh, you know, happening in the uh, smaller counties as well because we don't get all those numbers definitively. Uh, but we're probably at about 6 million now, and if you have, you know, roughly 2 million, I, I think somewhere between 1 to 1.5, maybe as high as 3 million tomorrow. I've seen that. It could be more than uh, 8 million total. So, um, I, I think I think there's a lot to uh, digest when it comes to that. Uh, you know, you don't want to make any snap judgments, if we're going to keep that as the theme here. Um, but uh, look, I, I think a lot of folks look at this, people who are uh, you know old hands at politics, and I'll be interested in your uh, interview coming up with R.G. Ratcliffe at Texas Monthly a little bit later because I know he's been out on the campaign trail. Um, but when you look at those big numbers, you think, well, that's got to advantage the Democrats, uh, at least to some extent, because uh, there, that means there are a lot of new people who are coming out to vote, and that's borne out by the data. Uh, but I do think that it's 
interesting that a lot of people have already seemed to have forgotten the fact that we had record turnout back in March, in the March primary election, mm-hmm. um, and we had a million Democrats, we've talked about this on the show, a million Democrats, which was double what they had uh, in 2014, but the Republicans were still outvoting the Democrats by another half million people, 1.5 million Republicans. So um, that doesn't mean that that's going to necessarily hold into the general election, uh, but I think there are just simply more Republicans in Texas who are active in the process than there are Democrats. Um, what we see tomorrow may put that to the test. Um, and we've saw, we've seen over the weekend some reports that uh, that uh, various uh, Republican uh, operatives and office holders are very concerned um, about these, uh, you know, just explosive numbers in uh, early voting. Uh, but I think, you know, the actual turnout tomorrow is going to tell us a lot about exactly how things are going to go. Um, we may yeah. know, uh, we may know a little bit more, you know, around lunchtime, you know, as far as what the actual turnout is going to be throughout the day. So we'll be tuned. Uh, we'll be tuned in, uh, you know, uh, from here until this time tomorrow. Okay. So Scott Braddock, let's say it is about eight million. How does that fare in, we call these midterm elections because there's not a president on the ballot. But, That's right. Uh, it's in the middle how, of the president. How term, would that fare, 8 million? Does that double up or is it triple? What's it do based on averages? Well, you're looking at almost presidential uh, year uh, turnout uh, in that case. And uh, look, and again, to keep it in perspective, during the presidential year in 2016, uh, when you had, you know, sort of, comparable numbers for turnout, the Republicans statewide won by about 10 points, right? I mean, that was the margin of uh, victory for President Trump over Secretary Clinton in Texas. Uh, so that's where you have to start. But then if you start to dig down into the numbers and take a look at who is actually voting, and I was looking through uh, some of Derek Ryan's uh, reporting this afternoon. Derek is a former uh, data director at the Republican Party of Texas, and he just looked at the numbers. Uh, voters with previous Republican primary election history now hold a 147,000 vote advantage over voters with previous Democratic primary election history. As we look at you know all of the votes that have come in uh, for early voting, non-primary voters hold a 614,000 vote advantage over Republican primary voters. So that's the number where you look at it and say, okay, who are those people? We don't know mm-hmm. which way they're going to break. Mm-hmm. That's so that's that's pretty telling. Uh, 69.5% of voters who most recently voted in a Republican primary ended up voting early. 71.3% of voters who most recently voted in a Democratic primary voted early. So I think there's still a lot of people, even though those numbers are big, there's still a lot of people who are yet to cast their ballots tomorrow. And as you know, and we've talked about here on the program previously, there are a lot of people who just like to vote on Election Day. They see it as the patriotic thing to do. There are also a lot of people, just anecdotally, who think uh, that maybe... Something will happen in the last few days of the election that uh, you know that, that make them change their minds about one of the races, uh, you know, or all of the races. So um, you know, there's still some people of that mindset, but I think more and more people on both sides of the aisle are you know deciding that they should just get their voting out of the way, get it done. I did an informal poll on Twitter earlier today. Nothing that is scientific, of course, uh, but I can check the results for you right now as far as how many people are voting. Um, early versus waiting until tomorrow, and with roughly 250 votes uh, in this little poll, something like that, 86%, almost 90% that said that they had voted early, that they already got her done. Yeah. 
Scott Bradley. Look at you coming loaded for bear with all these numbers on I'm just trying to, I'm previous trying to, elections. Know, we're, we're working through it. I'm not talking about your fake poll. Happening. I'm just talking that's, about That's just a phony poll. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> but all the numbers comparatively, that's really great. So I was just going off in the monologue about how I'd watch the Today Show because I was in, in a waiting room for way too long today. Oh, um, no. In the doctor's office, and the Today Show was on, amazed at how dumb it is. Um, the content <laughs> is. I mean, it really that? am. I mean, it's just like. Are they guys, still doing dancing elephants and things like go, that? No, dancing, almost. Uh, it's, Bear. it's like I everything's happening. Matt Lauer when he was still on that show. You know what it is? Is It's the quintessential happy family Facebook show. Yeah, of course. Where yeah. You never show the fight, you never show, like, Charity and I getting stronger by like having this argument where I don't I don't agree with you, but I understand where you're coming from. Like that whole thing, like there's never any conflict. And so like the Today Show just amazes me on the on the content and and all anyway. But what I was amazed it's not a hard about news program. That's okay. No, it's not even hard. There's a lot it's of features. Just, well, I'm saying it's not a hard. It's news a program. cartoon. I mean, it's a, just a mm-hmm. cartoon without Tom and Jerry hitting them blowing each other up or Wally Cody trying to <laughs> he never falls off the cliff and gets hurt but my what I wanted to lay out there was I was really surprised at how many because I don't watch TV a whole lot except on Sundays and that's just direct ticket uh, NFL Sunday ticket right but mm-hmm. I was amazed at how many Ken Paxton ads I saw it yep. seemed like every other commercial break were they, posi- against... were they positive no, about no, how, or were they negative, negative against He's his... running oh, against yes, an extreme that's... liberal, which right. shows me that Ken Paxton thinks he's in trouble. And then what would also come on were Dan Patrick. You know, he's sitting there in his square-toed boots on his mm-hmm. Texas front porch with a collie dog who obviously doesn't understand who this guy is with the truck in the background. <laughs> and... Uh, it just, I was really surprised at how much advertising they had out there. Or, mm-hmm. I want to go into the House, I want to go into the Senate with you here in sure. the next uh, five minutes, but uh-huh. are Patrick and Paxton in trouble? Patrick and Paxton are uh, dealing with the reality that the person at the top of the ticket, Ted Cruz, U.S. Senate is, as you know, if people have already voted early, they know this, they will see it tomorrow, or they may just know it uh, already. The Senate candidates are the top of the ticket. The first question you have is whether you want to vote straight Republican or straight Democrat. And then the second question is, do you want to vote for Ted Cruz or Beto O'Rourke? And all of the polling data, both public and private, shows that Ted Cruz is nowhere near the strength of John Cornyn four years ago when he was on the ballot in 2014, and he carried the statewide Republicans by what? 62%. You could see Ted Cruz tomorrow... Uh, you know, when we start to get the results in the evening, you could see him, you know, as much as 10 points below that, which which would still be a win at about 52%. Uh, but that causes problems. That's too close for comfort for a lot of these folks who have third-party, um, you know, candidates in their races. And, you know, if, if Cruz is even weaker than that, I mean, I've seen some projections where Cruz wins but only wins with a plurality at 49% because there is a, a libertarian in the race, uh, you know, as well uh, in the in the Senate race. Uh, there may be some folks who uh, are Republicans and can't stand the idea of voting for the Democrat, uh, Beto O'Rourke, because they, serve, you know, they perceive him as much too liberal. 
but they also can't bring themselves to vote for Cruz, who has not done any of the things that he promised that he would do. What are those things? He said he would get rid of the Affordable Care Act. How did that go? He filibustered it, and he shut down the government uh, for you know a couple of weeks, and he extended the recession. Great. He also said he would um, uh, abolish the IRS. I don't know about you, but I still have to deal with them every year. So that hasn't worked out either. Uh, a lot of promises that he's made that he hasn't been able to deliver on. And when it comes to delivering for you know farmers out in West Texas, I mean, you've talked a lot about how the farm bill went down, some of his involvement. Um, you know, if you look at the way that hurricane recovery was handled, which one of our senators really got the job done, and which one was willing to take the heat from his right flank? It wasn't Ted Cruz. It was, and by the way, Cruz, whose hometown is Houston didn't get that job done. It was John Cornyn who took the heat as he held up some judicial, uh, judicial nominees uh, who he said would eventually be on the bench, but uh, you know, as a senator on the Judiciary Committee, he was able to use his leverage to slow down those nominations from President Trump and say, look, we'll get to those judges after we get our uh, money for a hurricane recovery. He was actually doing the work of being a senator. Uh, so you have Cruz, who has just been weak, weak, week across the board, uh, and if you look at what happened in 14, folks like Patrick, Paxton, Abbott, and the rest, they all coasted the victory on the coattails of Cornyn, and if they barely eke out a victory now, if they really have to scrape and scramble for every single vote, it's because Cruz is weak. All right, uh, and we'll get in with Cruz and Beto here in just a moment, but here's the thing. Here's what I want to lay out for people over the next three or four minutes braddock the house of representatives in texas mm-hmm. yes sir texas government is as important as any role of government in texans day-to-day life the texas house of representatives 150 members the senate 31 both chambers held widely by republicans some mm-hmm. you know 60 70 percent republican in both chambers, uh, mm-hmm. what kind of turnover do you expect tomorrow night? How many Democrats do you see as having a realistic chance there in the House and then in the Senate? I think there are somewhere between, and by the way, uh, as you said, it's uh, you know roughly uh, 60% uh, Republican in both chambers. 95 uh, Republicans, actually almost uh, two-thirds uh, of the House is Republicans, uh, and 95 Republicans. 55 Democrats. I would say there are probably between 8 to 13 seats that are currently held by Republicans that are in play uh, for Democrats. Uh, Most of those concentrated up in Dallas County. Uh, There are at least three here in Central Texas where I'm speaking to you from this afternoon in Travis and Williamson counties, and I think there are probably a couple in uh, the Houston area, too, that are uh, races that we're going to watch very closely. Um, Of course, a lot of that is informed by the congressional races that are playing out in those same areas, Pete Sessions, uh, who could lose his seat, a powerful Republican chairman from Dallas County, also John Culberson, a Republican congressman uh, in Houston, and uh, also uh, here in the Austin area. Uh, there are a couple of congressional races that are interesting that we'll keep an eye on. Um, why do I bring those up? Because you know, if people are voting straight ticket, uh, which a lot of people do, that means they may hit the button for their um, you know preferred congressional candidate, and it just wipes out the House candidate underneath them. And in a lot of cases like that, and this is why they use terms like a wave, because when a wave hits you, it doesn't really have anything to do with what you did as a candidate, what you did or did not do, and it just has more to do with the mood of the overall electorate uh, going back to 2010 when uh, you had uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, House uh, Democrats lose their seats. It could sort of be the opposite. Over in uh, the Texas Senate, you do have at least three races uh, where Republicans Wait, 
the current breakdown is 20 to 11, right? That's correct. Yeah, 31, 31 senators, that's right. And uh, under the current rules, as you know, it takes uh, uh, 60% of the senators, takes 19 senators, uh, if 31 are present, to move a piece of legislation forward. Uh, so Republicans have, uh, you know, they've got a, a one-vote margin, you know, a one-vote uh, buffer there, if you will. Uh, and so right now you have potentially three uh, senators who are, uh, you know, people who are in the Dan Patrick team uh, in the Texas Senate, uh, and those are Joan Huffman uh, down in Houston. She's got uh, a serious challenge, a rematch with uh, Rita Lucido, who's a Democratic attorney uh, in Fort Worth, uh, in the Fort Worth area in Tarrant County. You have Connie Burton, a Tea Party senator to the core, somebody who is part of the original Cruz crew, uh, who faces a business Democrat named Beverly Powell, and over in Dallas County, You've got Don Huffines, who is uh, part of the Rand Paul libertarian wing of the party, and uh, Huffines, um, his polling, uh, everything I've seen on that looks uh, looks really bad. Dallas County um, is going to come out pretty strong for Democrats tomorrow. Uh, we have talked about this on the show. Uh, Cruz, uh, back in uh, 2012, when he originally won his Senate seat, mm-hmm. um, he got about 40% in Dallas County. I think Beto O'Rourke's going to do a little bit better than Paul Sadler did. That was the Democrat running against Cruz at the time. Uh, so Huffines and Sessions both, uh, you know, face extra, you know, stiff challenges because of that. Yeah, well, Scott Braddock, at Scott Braddock there on Twitter. Go ahead and just uh, put his Twitter on notifications for tomorrow night. Click on the little bell. Also, make a little pitch for folks I don't know at, um, what is it, Texas Election Source at mm-hmm. TX Alex. Uh, oh, yeah. They, uh, Jeff Blaylock uh, is a guy here in Austin runs yeah, that, and he does a fantastic yeah. job with all the numbers. Yeah. I highly recommend TX Alex Source. Yeah, that, that guy's on it. Scott yes, Braddock is also on it. Thank you, friend. You're always on it as well, my friend. Talk soon. All right. Uh, get off with Scott Braddock. Get in with R.G. Ratcliffe here in just a bit on your other side. Don, you're calling in. Can't take calls. You can text in your thoughts, 806 745 5800. Be back about 90 seconds from now. Interesting uh, interview there with Scott Braddock. Going to ask our friend R.G. Ratcliffe, who is the political editor at Texas Monthly, about the race coming up. A million voted for, a million Democrats voted, and then in the primary. And then 1.5 million Republicans voted. Surely, Beto O'Rourke needs to approach some Republicans. Uh, He and I may differ a little bit about that. Uh, The anonymous mailbag. I don't, you know, folks call, folks send me stuff and um, they ask me questions. Yeah, the Greg, I'll just use Greg's name, not his last name. Yeah, I do say we are broadcasting from the studios that made Buddy Holly famous, and um, it was right here. I'm, I'm, I'm literally sitting like six feet away from where Buddy Holly had his Sunday parties here on Sunday afternoons and uh, Sunday evenings, and, you know, that's that's where all like I'm sitting here looking at windows and from time to time people will be walking by. There have been times where we've been doing this program where people have stopped in tour buses full of Germans or Latin. I don't know what they are. Just 
people who've taken a tour and they stop here because this is where Buddy Holly became famous. Somebody else who's famous, our friend R.G. Ratcliffe, he is the political guru there at Texas Monthly. R.G. Ratcliffe, how are you doing? Welcome into the show. I'm doing good, and I'm looking out the window instead of having people look in. Well, I look out, but I see them looking in. We're glad that you're with us here again, R.G. Thank you. Um, so let's get into this. I interview about a 40-minute interview back in April. I sat down with um, Beto O'Rourke. He was in Lubbock, and it was a pretty substantive interview. And I asked him at the time, I said, Beto O'Rourke, you need for there to be such a thing as a Trump Beto O'Rourke voter. What are you going to do to expand your base outside of traditional Democratic voters and white college town liberals who hate Donald Trump because you're going to need that number. And he went into, you know, his pragmatic, he was more pragmatic at the time, in my view, more pragmatic that he was going to vote. He was going to appeal to those kinds of folks. Today, Politico.com putting up a piece. And let me get the guy's name right. Tim Alberta. Did Beto blow it? His argument is that Beto went too far to the left and lost a lot of traction with independent slash Republican voters. Um, Did Tim Alberta of Politico.com, R.G. Ratcliffe of Texas Monthly, did Tim Alberta blow it? Well, let's put it to you this way. The core of the, the article was he interviewed political consultants who said Beto O'Rourke blew it because he didn't hire political consultants to get him to move to the middle. And I think that's where the the real underlying mistake occurs here. I think, you know, you have to kind of go back to last year and you look at, at what the, the previous midterm election turnouts were like. Uh, I mean, going back all the way to uh, 1996, we had not had a a midterm election turnout that busted 36% of the uh, voter registration. And so, you know, when you look at it, I mean, the Democratic strategy, not just Beto's, but the Democratic strategy was you you get your base fired up, and if we can get enough of the Repu- a Democratic base fired up and get enough of the people who vote in presidential years for Democratic candidates but don't vote in midterm elections to turn out, then suddenly you have a formula where in a relatively low turnout election, um, you uh, you win. The thing about it is, this has become a national race, and that helped Beto a lot in raising money. It raised his profile a lot around the country, and it kind of pushed him into um, staying very true to you know his liberal roots. And his you got to remember, his dad was the statewide uh, chairman for Jesse Jackson's 1988 campaign for president. So it's not like this is, you know, the most conservative family on the face of the planet. Um, and, you know, the the logic of what they were trying to do made a certain amount of sense, which is, you know, get your, your base fired up. And even, even Ted Cruz was recognizing that he was going to have to fire up 
uh, a Republican base that was not all that energetic until really the the Kavanaugh hearing. Wait, maybe not energetic in Ted Cruz, but maybe ener- energetic otherwise. Uh, I'm not even sure you could say they were energetic otherwise. I mean, it was, um, you know, it, I, I think Republicans continue to have a throw weight advantage in Texas. I mean, there's just, you know, you just look at every election, and, and the best Democrats tend to do is 43%. And uh, and so as a consequence, and, and Republicans, the worst they seem to do is down around, you know, 52 percent and that's that kind of that goes up and down depending on the turnout of the election so you had to somehow change the dynamic and the kind of the dynamic you had was bill white in 2010 ran for governor as a centrist and uh, he got i think 42 percent of the vote and wendy davis uh made a a brief foyer being a centrist with um, trying to take a, a more conservative position on gun rights, and it blew up on her, and she lost her base, and she was also having problems with her, the Mexican-American part of her base on the abortion issue, um, and she ended up, you know, like down at, you know, 38% of the vote, um, so it was kind of, kind of like part of what Beto needed to do was shake everything up. And I think that's what they were trying to do, and to say now, in hindsight, that that was some sort of mistake because a consultant would have made him move to the middle, um, just misses the dynamics of the election. R.G. Ratcliffe, Texas Monthly. Appreciate him taking time with us here on your other side. Uh, We have mentioned we're going off of R.G. Ratcliffe's new new post up on TexasMonthly.com. You see that there at textmonthly.com based upon Tim Alberta's story, which seems like it's been a long time in the running because the cruise, he states in there, the cruise people expecting 6 million, maybe a couple of months ago, but after early voting, it certainly seems like that could approach 7 or 8 million. Scott Braddock just got off the phone with us. I want to read a paragraph to you okay. from Alberta's piece. But, you know, Braddock made the case, a case I've heard many times that. You know, one and a half times as many Republicans voted in the primary as Democrats. I think it's 1.5 versus a million uh, Democrats. This right. One, so that that's the premise of my point, that Beto O'Rourke needed to go out and find Republicans. And instead, in my view, and I'm getting to Alberta here in just a moment... Instead, of my view, what O'Rourke did was introduce a third figure into this race, a third predominant figure into this race, and that was him against himself. So you've got O'Rourke versus Cruz versus O'Rourke. But this is what Alberta wrote. Beto O'Rourke, the national heartthrob, and Beto O'Rourke, the Texas heretic. While the coastal media's narrative emphasizes appeals to common ground, framing him as an... Obama-esque post-partisan figure, the candidate himself tacked unapologetically towards the left. He endorsed Bernie Sanders' Medicaid for All plan. He called repeatedly for Donald Trump's impeachment, a position rejected by Nancy Pelosi and nearly every other prominent Democrat in America as futile and 
counterproductive. He flirted with the idea of abolishing the immigration and customs enforcement. He took positions and others with a brash fearlessness that reinforced his superstardom in the Democratic base nationwide, but it likely stunted his growth among a, a more important demographic, that being Texans. He did this stuff unprompted. Explain that to me, RG. Why did he go out on these limbs when Cruz didn't even force him out there? Well, first off, I'm just going to challenge that paragraph of the story as being wrong. Uh, Beto specifically at times said, I am not endorsing Bernie Sanders' Medicare for all. Okay. Now, he had, a, he had an array of, of positions on where he thought we could get to to provide more health care for more people. And frankly, one of them, if you held his feet to the fire, was Medicare for all. But it wasn't just that. And then when it came to, um, like, a uh, will he in, calling for the impeachment of Trump, he didn't actually get – he was never up on the stage saying, oh, we need to impeach the president, which would be a call for impeachment. But when people asked him, would you vote to impeach Trump, he said yes, that it's like a grand jury indictment. But he wanted to maintain a certain level of neutrality to hear all the facts if he's in the Senate to try the case. And then uh, finally, the, the whole thing about abolishing ICE was he, he got – uh, a supporter or, or somebody at an event down in the Rosenberg area asked him about that, and he said something like, well, that would be something I would consider. But he wasn't ever really talking about completely abolishing ICE He was or getting rid of uh, enforcement of immigration laws. He was talking about uh, a federal agency that a lot of people think has gotten out of control. So the first, right there, that one paragraph, misstates what what Beto was doing and also Beto's biggest trouble was everything he said that was really super other uber liberal came in response to questions and uh, like he just what? oh like the NFL players kneeling thing that yep. got like 40 million views uh on this is now uh, now this news rather and um the deal there was that um, somebody in the crowd asked him, how do you feel about players kneeling? And he gave a very long explanation about the right of free speech and and the, the injustices to African Americans and that he supported the right of African Americans uh, players to take a knee. That there is nothing more American in his that mind. That there's nothing yeah. more American. That was, you know, I don't believe he ever really got out on the campaign trail and made that an issue. He just was not afraid to answer questions that put him in these very liberal positions. And that's kind of a, there's a, you know, if you've got a candidate who's just going to answer any question, no political consultant's going to be able to redefine you unless they tell you don't be who you are. Um, and that's kind of the underlying thing. Now, is Beto probably too liberal for most of Texas? That would probably be the case. Um, you know, that was right from the get-go, some of his problems. But uh, but unless he was willing to compromise who he was at the direction of a political consultant, which he said right from the get-go he wasn't going to do, uh, what you got was the real unvarnished Beto. And, you know, if he goes down in flames, he goes down in flames being true to himself. Do you think that he 
Well, I'm, I was going to compare him to Ron Kirk, who ran against Cornyn the last go-around. But what, how do you think this shapes up tomorrow night? How many points? <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is one of the wild cards out there is uh, Neil Dykeman, the Libertarian candidate. Um, in the Gary Johnson in the presidential race got about 3% of the votes statewide in Texas. And in some of these congressional districts that the uh, Democrats are challenging because Hillary Clinton carried the district, the reason she carried the district was because Gary Johnson got almost 5% of the vote, which means some Republicans who couldn't bring themselves to vote for uh, Donald Trump also couldn't bring themselves to vote for Hillary Clinton. So they were voting for the Libertarian candidate as sort of a safe harbor vote to make a statement to vote and not vote for either Clinton or Trump. And I think, you know, one of the things we have to consider going into tomorrow night is that Neil Dykeman as the Libertarian candidate likely could become a safe harbor vote, and he probably will get somewhere between 3 and 5% of the vote. Is that more yeah. Republican or Democrat, R.G.? Yeah, well, it's uh, Libertarian and probably more Libertarian and Republican than than a Democratic uh, okay. vote being in there. And so what that does is, like, let's say, uh, let's say Beto gets forty six percent, and and Dykeman gets four percent, and Cruz is, ekes out a victory or or gets a victory at fifty percent of you know, you can a win is a win. But going forward, the Repo Democrats have always, for the last 20 years, lost m almost every race by nine percentage points. And going forward, they'll be able to say, look, we had a good candidate who was well-funded, ran a decent campaign, and he only lost by uh, 4%. And that becomes kind of a big psychological thing, uh, positive for Democrats going forward. Now, the positive side for uh uh, Ted Cruz, if he wins in a situation like that, it's the same thing as when Rick Perry won the governor's office in 2006 uh, with only 39% of the vote, and Perry declared, I may have only gotten 39% of the vote, but I got all the power. Yeah. Uh, so, R.G., as we close up with you here, again, at R.G. Ratcliffe, with an E in clip, yep. on Twitter, uh, you think that Beto breaks the six-point barrier tomorrow night i gotta tell you i have i have crunched the numbers every which way i can and i've i've had him down at 43 percent and i've had him as high as 47 percent and it just would take uh an absolute phenomenal voter turnout tomorrow to get him uh past cruise how many so what in the political article that we've mentioned, it seems that mm -hmm. Tim, Tim Alberta hung out with, and you know, there is no democratic there's very little democratic infrastructure. My thesis is going forward, Democrats will have to run in the image of Beto O'Rourke because there's not infrastructure against a pretty magnificent Republican machine in Texas. Um, but I tend to think that you've had the same experience that Alberta's had, that I've had, that there are a lot of Republicans who are hoping Ted Cruz loses tomorrow night. And, I, I and think, Republican, I, like elected Republicans who don't I, like Ted Cruz. I think there there are a lot of uh, uh, Republicans who don't like Ted Cruz. I think it's just a real hard thing for 
someone who's been aligned for a party for a long time to bring themselves to vote for someone of the opposite Or not party. even aligned with a party. I'm talking about, like, people who Ted Cruz actively uh, campaigned against in the Republican primaries. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, here's the thing that I think is a real game changer in, in all of this is that for the longest time, the national Democrats refused to pour money into Texas, either in presidential races or U.S. Senate races. They could make the argument that they could win three other states for what it would take just to get close in Texas because we're so big. And Beto has completely gone around the National Democratic Party infrastructure to raise all this money, do it at the grassroots level, partly because he partly because he was so liberal um but uh it has it has in a lot of ways changed it where the party doesn't need to have that infrastructure or the candidate doesn't need the party to have that infrastructure because he can build it himself if he's got enough money the republican party uh, the part of their problem is they have an infrastructure but they have been uh in recent years pushing to uh make the party smaller and smaller instead of growing it it has uh you know the culture warriors have taken it over more and more and that's why a lot of a lot of republicans are kind of feeling this left out position if you're an old george w bush republican uh you may not feel welcome in your own party anymore that's one point that carl rove does make in the piece in the piece by tim alberta and Politico, mm-hmm. the response by R.G. Ratcliffe there at TexasMonthly.com is um, uh, Carl Rove says the future for Texas has to be more George W. Bush than it will be, could be, with Ted Cruz. So um, I just, I don't, yeah, I mean, if, if the Republican Party wants to stay in power, that's what they're going to have to do. But I don't see any signs that they're going to do anything but stay way off to one side um and you know frankly the the d's need to find a a good candidate that's a little bit more of a centrist uh than beto was but someone that can still fire up the uh, the democratic base hey last question to you off topic um my i've maintained this position throughout the closest race in texas that we'll see tomorrow night is Collier versus Patrick. You disagree, or you think Beto Cruz will be closer? I, I think uh, Beto Cruz, uh, Collier-Patrick uh, Collier is largely dependent on the outcome of, of Beto Cruz because you've got to get those people to the... You, to get closer, you'd have to be saying there are people who are going to come to the poll and vote for uh, Ted Cruz and then turn around and vote for Mike Collier, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah. He is R.G. Ratcliffe. I appreciate you, bud. I appreciate you making time on the uh, Election Eve edition here on the program. Okie dokie. Well, have a good night and have a fun election day. Vote early, vote often. (laughs) Maybe just once, though. (laughs) Uh, That may defy the ghost of LBJ, but please just vote once. Uh, Thank you, R.G. Okay. Thank you, Jay. Hey, going to get off with RG, go into our last segment here. There's a Regent thing that we need to address, and we're going to do it here. Coming up about a minute and a half from now, 
Stick right with us. Robert Earl is going to take you with some Gringo Honeymoon into the break. Be right back on Other Side of Texas. A piece coming out today, just going to touch on it now, because i got to get back to Anonymous Mailbag, but a piece coming out today that Texas Tech region, I've taken some heat for hitting on certain regions, but not others. Texas Tech region and InterVest CEO, John Walker, it didn't come out today, excuse me, this weekend. Tech region and InterVest CEO, John Walker, a Greg Abbott campaign supporter. It appears that the campaign and Walker may be in some, well, on the wrong side of a federal security rule federal securities rule excuse me says financial executives can't donate to politicians and manage investments for state bodies those politicians oversee university of houston putting in a seven million dollar investment with intervest and some questions being raised about that because the university of houston is a public institution a public institution that the governor oversees by virtue of many things but most especially he appoints regents to these boards of regents um i want to go back to something i'd mentioned earlier and this bears mentioning now uh an email we got from some from a listener about strata energy uh, strata production company is what it's called and strata production company has put up ten thousand dollars to these big bold completely quiet conservatives in lubbock whoever they might be um for this campaign against the proposed lubbock county exposition center ten thousand dollar loan coming from these folks and raising questions about a Mark Murphy. He either was president or is president of that company and what Mark Murphy's interests might be in all of this. Um, try to write a piece about it and get you up to speed on it. Just go Google Mark Murphy and PAX and you see for yourself, Strata Energy, Strata Production Company, excuse me, an energy company based out of Roswell, New Mexico. That's where we're going to jump off. Got a big election day for you tomorrow, right here on the program for now. I'm, I cannot, Chris Beard, I cannot go to your basketball game tomorrow night. I can't do it. I got to sit back. You can follow me at jleeson, J-A-Y-L-E-E-S-O-N, on Twitter, Be tweeting my thoughts about the election what's going on as we see the results begin to come in right about uh, 45 minutes after the show tomorrow is when I expect us to begin to see some things there and um, for now I, it's tip off tomorrow night I, we can't make the game sorry might give away some basketball tickets tomorrow on the program but for now, going to get home, 
gotta get home great family above average dinner waiting for me and until we're with one another's again right here on your other side rave on buddies just rave on looking forward to being back with you thank you for listening thank you for sharing with friends and uh go to other side of texas on facebook share your thoughts at ostx show on twitter and uh, we'll see you next time right here from AM580 Lubbock or leave it. It's who we wanna be. Belly up and just make it. And two step on.